All right, well, we are in week two of a series called Storytellers. We are right smack dab in the middle of this series because when it's a three-week series, it's amazing how quick you can get to the middle. And uh, so we are right in the middle of this series. And basically, during this series called Storytellers, here's what we're doing. We are looking at the life of Joseph. And uh, we said last week that really second to Jesus and his story, the story of Joseph is probably the most incredible story in the Bible. Just the things he overcame, the way God used him, how that whole story worked together. And uh, so if you, if you aren't reading your Bible right now, let me just encourage you. Start with Genesis chapter 37 and just read through till the end of the book because it is a story, I mean, really, that you will not want to put down. It's absolutely incredible. And uh, so what we're doing is we are looking at Joseph's life, and then we're also hearing from you guys. We have taken people from our congregation, the Princeton campus and this campus, and we're going to hear your stories because we want you to know that the things Joseph dealt with are not just things that people dealt with thousands of years ago, that we deal with them as well. And so uh, we are capturing your stories and showing those. And I've had several people email me and ask me, Pastor Andrew, I want to tell my story. How can I do that? Here's what you do. On our website, bridgechurch.cc, up at the top, there's a tab that says eForms. Click on that, and down below, one of the uh, choices, one of the options is share your story or tell your story, something like that. You have the option to be able to go on there, share your story with us, uh, and, and we want to use that. Maybe not for this series, but at some point in the future, we love hearing those stories from you. Because really, when we hear about what God's done in your life, and we can share that, it gives other people faith to know that God is still working, He's still moving, and He is working even today. And so, uh, so I hope you'll do that. Um, all right, well, last week we talked about betrayal. How betrayal hurts. It hurts so deeply because betrayal and trust are so closely tied together. And we can't be betrayed by someone we don't trust. For Joseph, he was betrayed by his brothers. Um, just, uh, it was a dark time in Joseph's life. I won't re-preach that. But basically what we said is that, that Joseph, even though he was betrayed, even though he went through one of the darkest moments of his life, he was able to come out on the other side and uh, kind of our takeaway from last week was ultimately the pit of betrayal can still produce the purposes of God. So if, if you need that, if you're like, yeah, I wish you'd be preaching about that today, you can go on our website and, and we have all of our messages archived on there. You can go and check that message out from last week, okay? All right. Well, this week we are moving on and we are talking about Genesis chapter 39 and uh, really what we see there in Joseph's life is this is a story of godly character. The things that happen in Joseph's life, the events that happen in Genesis chapter 39 are really a lesson in godly character. And so I thought today I would just kind of start off our time together by asking you a question. I want to get you thinking. And so I want to ask you, how is your character doing? How is your character doing? Here's what I know. 
I know that character is not revealed in big moments like this. You know, when I'm standing up on the stage and have the microphone and the lights, this is not my character. But uh, we often celebrate people's giftings as if it were their character. You think about in our culture, we celebrate people who can throw a baseball, catch a football, who can sing really well, who are incredible actors or actresses. But yet, the headlines of our papers are littered with people who are incredibly gifted, but whose character, or really lack thereof, caused their downfall. Major news organizations like TMZ and different magazines, they make all of their money by reporting people who are gifted and yet have issues with their character. And so we want to talk about that and really how uh, our competency will only take us as far as our character can sustain us. That our character is really the limiting factor in so much of what we would want to do in our lives. As I said before, character is not revealed in big moments. It often breaks out in small moments. Our character is more, it's revealed more clearly in small moments than in big ones. Here's what I mean by that. Um, if you guys follow Kerry Newwolf, he is a, a Christian blogger. He has a lot to say about church leadership. Absolutely incredible on that subject. I would highly encourage you to go check his blog out. Uh, he wrote an article on nine character tests. And so I wanted to share a few of them with you today. I won't go through all nine. But maybe we can see how our character might break out in these moments. So let's look at number one. How do you react when someone steals your parking spot? You know that moment where you've circled the parking lot a couple times. There is no spot. You see somebody walking to their car with, with their bags, and you know they are leaving. So you say, okay, I'll just wait. You're, sit, you're, you're there, you're parked, you've got your blinker on, you're doing everything right. They pull out. And you have to give them space enough to pull out. And by the time they pull out, somebody else whips in. What are you saying in that moment? Don't cuss if that's what you're saying. <laughs> At least not in church. All right. That's our character. That is our character breaking out. I'm seeing some people laughing. I'm seeing some elbows between husbands and wives. I want to tell you... Uh, Today, I was actually going to tell you about how I am incredible in that and how my character is so flawless and above reproach. And then my wife said she was going to come back to today's service. So I figured I ought not do that because I didn't want you guys to see her head going, no, no, he's not. He's terrible. <laughs> That's why I don't have a bridge sticker on the back of my car. So if you guys are serial honkers... Or if you occasionally have to tell people they are number one, please peel that bridge sticker right off the back of your car. We want to revoke that here today. All right, number two. We're talking about our character breaking out. How do you react to slow internet? Uh. Well, patience is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. 
But sometimes that is not a fruit that can be found in the Garden of Andrew's life. <laughs> much better, much better. My wife has helped me. But, uh, but it's, it's kind of funny. We are actually getting brand new internet at the church. It is going to be so much faster. I, I didn't need it, but Pastor Jeremy and some of the guys did. So anyway. All right, number three, last one, and then we'll get off these. Howard Kirchner breaks out the gap between what you think and what you say when someone compliments you. Maybe you are working really hard to try to uh, lose weight or get in shape. Maybe you're working really hard uh, at a certain craft, or, or maybe you've just started. It can be something here at church. Maybe you're working really hard in the parking lot. You want to be the best parking lot guy we have. You want kids and everybody to come up and give you high fives, and so you were working really hard, and somebody sees that, notices that, and compliments you, are we thinking, it's about time, or are we thinking, oh man, that is so cool, God is helping me in this area, what do we think in that moment? I want to say as Christians, we can sometimes be the worst. You, you go up and you compliment somebody, and they say, oh, it was all God. No, but God's working through you, and he's doing something amazing through you. And so just being able to say, you know what, thank you. I appreciate that. That's something I've worked really hard on, and man, God's blessed me. And not taking any credit for ourselves, but, but realizing that God is using us. God is sharpening our skills, our giftings, our callings. And so those are some ways that character can kind of break out in those small moments. Those are Kerry's tests. I like Mark Twain's test, uh, too. It, it's a little bit shorter. Let me read it to you. He says, A man's character may be learned from the adjectives he habitually uses in conversation. If you have or have ever had a three-year-old, you know that sometimes when you hear yourself back, because all they do is repeat us, isn't it? When you hear yourself back, you're like, Hmm, I don't like how I'm talking. <laughs> It's amazing how when we hear it in that little voice, we realize, man, my character is not quite where I want it to be. So that's Mark Twain's test. Well, today we want to talk about character. And, and let me tell you what was going on in Joseph's life. So Joseph, the last we saw him, his brothers had sold him into slavery. So this band of Ishmaelite traders, they actually cart him down. They take him down to Egypt. And the next thing we see out of Joseph in Genesis chapter 39 is that there is this man named Potiphar. And Potiphar purchases Joseph to come work at his home. Well, Joseph, he's just been betrayed by his brothers. He's going through the darkest storm of his life. He's a very young guy. He's only 17 years old at this point. He could have easily said, I'm going to have a bad attitude. He could have easily said, you know what? They betrayed me. I'm not doing anything for this guy named Potiphar. I'm not a slave. I am my dad's favorite son. But he didn't have any of those reactions. Actually, what we see in Genesis chapter 39 is that Joseph puts his nose to the grindstone, so to speak. Je uh, Joseph gets to work in Potiphar's house. So much so that Potiphar actually, uh, in the Bible it's recorded that Potiphar takes notice. He said, man, everything this guy does, he's successful at. 
Everything he does, God's blessing him. God's touching his life. And so Potiphar said, I'm going to elevate him. Potiphar actually makes him his own personal attendant. There is no one more powerful in Potiphar's house than Joseph. The Bible actually tells us that, that all Potiphar had to concern himself day after day was with what he wanted to eat. If you've ever taken a lady out to eat, you know that is actually a little bit harder than it sounds. But that's all Potiphar had to think about. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Hey, Shug, where do you want to eat? Oh, I don't care anything. What about, you know, what about La, pa what about La Paz? No, I'm not feeling that. You just said anywhere. So anyway, that's, what, that's all Potiphar has to think about. What do I want to eat? Joseph is the man in Potiphar's house. And we're going to pick up the story in verse 6. Let me just say, I know we're getting ready to read a lot of scripture. Uh, I know it's a little bit more than normal, but bear with us. It's important that we see all of this story, okay? So let's pick it up in, in verse 6. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held nothing back from me except you, because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her. And he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, that's when you know the story is going to turn. Dun, dun, dun. However, no one else was around when he went in to do his work. She came and she grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come on, sleep with me. You guys, some of y'all didn't know this was in the Bible, did you? This is crazy. This is what Joseph is dealing with. So Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand. And as he ran from the house, when, he, when she saw that she was still holding his cloak and he had fled, she called out to her servants. Soon all the men came running. Look, she said, my husband has brought this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. He came into my room to rape me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream, he ran outside and got away, but he left his cloak behind with me. She kept the cloak with her until her husband came home. Then she told him her story. That Hebrew slave you've brought into our house tried to come in and fool around with me, she said. But when I screamed, he ran outside, leaving his cloak with me. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into prison where the king's prisoners were held. And there he remained. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. Here's what I want you to see in this narrative right here. The heat was on. I'm talking about the heat was on. Potiphar's wife was after him in just a, a way that would make most of us blood. It was absolutely crazy to see what Joseph was going through day after day. 
And then to know, when we begin to do the math, and, and we see he was 17, and then uh, when he became the ruler uh, over all of Egypt, when we do that math, we find out that Joseph was in Potiphar's house for 10 or 11 years. How in the world does a young man in his 20s not fall into this kind of temptation when it's day after day? Not for a few weeks, not for a few months, but for 10 years. I want to suggest to you today that he was only able to do that through his character. Through his character and his relationship with God. And he didn't cave in in the midst of the toughest temptation that he had ever gone through. And probably any of us could even imagine. He didn't cave in. I also want to tell you, one of the things that I heard when I was studying uh, for this message was some people would suggest that maybe Potiphar's wife wasn't so pretty. Maybe Potiphar's wife was a dog. That's why he didn't, you know, he wasn't even tempted. I want to tell you guys, nothing could be further from the truth. Potiphar is the captain of the guard. Potiphar is in a position of power and prestige. He is undoubtedly a man of means. And so he would have had his choice of any of the young maidens in Egypt. So, so that notion is just absolutely crazy. And, and ladies, I don't mean to objectify you, but I just wanted to make sure you guys understood this was a test. This was hard for Joseph. So how did he do it? I believe that there are three responses that really helped Joseph succeed during this time. So let's look at those. Number one, Joseph recognized the situation. He didn't think about this as simply uh, his boss's wife being flirtatious. He didn't think about this as, uh, well, we're just having a little fun. No. He, uh, he saw it for what it was. And he realized the immenseness of the situation. Let, let's look in scripture. I want to show you. In verse 8, I, I want you to read in verse 8 and 9 how he just says, My master, my master, my master. He puts all this focus on Potiphar. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his, my master's, entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He, my master, has held nothing back from me except you, because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against my master. No, that's, that's not what it says, is it? Joseph talks, uh, he says, my master, my master, my master. And then he says, but this sin, this isn't just between us. This is a sin against God. And so I, I need you to understand, Miss Potiphar's wife, the immenseness of this situation. You know, I think about oftentimes in our culture, and, and, and when I personally want to do something I know I shouldn't do, I try to minimize it. I, I try to minimize that sin and, and justify it and explain it away and say why I have to do it or why this thing needs to happen. Or We begin to make reasons and excuses in our head for for the reasons we can kind of minimize this. and Well, this isn't a big deal. 
But I believe that one of the ways Joseph was able to keep his character intact, one of the ways he was able to withstand this immense temptation is because he didn't minimize, he maximized it. He recognized the situation for what it was. Yes, it is going to hurt Potiphar, and it's going to be something bad, and I shouldn't do this to Potiphar, but this is a sin against God, so I can't do that. I heard a, a story recently about the Great Wall of China. Have any of you ever been to the Great Wall of China? Okay, good, because I want to tell you some statistics. So basically, I, I've never been there either, and I, but I did some research. It is one of the seven wonders of the world. It's absolutely incredible. The Great Wall of China is 4,000 miles long. It's about 20 feet high. It's about 20 feet thick. Uh, they say that chariots can ride beside each other on the Great Wall of China. This is a monumental structure. In 250 B.C., the first emperor of China, he decided, hey, we need some kind of protection from the invaders from the north, so we need to build us a wall. And so he went about it, and, and of course the construction took many, many years. And for a long time, the wall was successful. But then, in 1644, the wall was breached. How? Was it a, a catapult? Was it like a ramrod? Did they, they burn a section of it? What did they do? How did they breach this wall? Simple. They bribed one of the gatekeepers. In 1644 A.D., the Manchus bribed a Ming dynasty general... And the general simply let them pass right through. You know, I got to thinking about that, and I thought, man, if I was one of the workers, if I had labored on this wall, if I had poured my, my blood, sweat, and tears into this wall, I would be so mad at this general. But here's the thing. We work so hard sometimes to, to erect these big things in our life, to erect our, our reputation, to erect these big walls, and we want everybody to see, and we want everybody to know, hey, I'm a strong Christian. I go to the bridge every week. Hey, I'm this or I'm that. I read my Bible every day. I post a scripture on Facebook every day, so you know that makes me spiritual. And yet, it was not the reputation that was the downfall of this great wall of China. Everybody knew, all the invaders from the north knew how intimidating and how un insurmountable this wall was. But all they had to do was find a character flaw in one of the gatekeepers. I love this quote by John Wooden, one of the famous basketball coaches, most famous basketball coaches of all time. He says, be more concerned with your character than your reputation because your character is what you really are while your reputation is merely what others think you are everybody knew of the wall great wall of china they knew the reputation but it didn't matter if the character of the gatekeepers was not solid and so one of the ways joseph was able to keep his character intact was he recognized the situation. Number two, Joseph ran 
from the seductress. In verse 10, Joseph ran from the seductress. Here we go, verse 10. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around when he went in to do his work. She came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, Come on, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. I love this quote. I don't know uh, who said it. Uh, it's credited to many different people on the internet. So if you want to put this on social media, you can just say Pastor Andrew said it, okay? It says, it is, it is better to lose your coat than to lose your character. It is better to lose your coat than to lose your character. Oftentimes, people of character have to make sacrifices. One of the things that Joseph refused to do was he refused to hang out in the wrong areas and with the wrong people. And most often time in our lives, when we get in trouble or when we're headed toward a downfall, one of those two things kind of comes into play, doesn't it? We're with the wrong people or we're in the wrong areas. I remember when I was a freshman in high school, uh, me and one of my buddies, uh, he lived in downtown Princeton. And so we would, I, I would go to his house sometimes after school. And uh, one day we said, hey, man, let's go to the drugstore. They've got incredible, uh, you know, flavored soft drinks. And so we went and we got one. And I noticed as we were walking through the store, he started putting, st putting stuff in his pockets. Just candy and stuff like that. But he was filling up his pockets. And I leaned in and I whispered to him. I was like, dude, I've got money. Like, if you need me to pay for this, I can pay for it. He said, no, no, I do this all the time. So I was scared. I went on out the door. I was waiting on the sidewalk. I got out of there. As, as he went out the door to the drugstore, the cashier and the manager were right behind him. They were on to him. They knew what he was up to. They, they made him give the self back. They didn't call the law on him, thankfully. And so when I got home, I had a choice to make. I said, man, I am not going to tell my mom about this because she won't let me hang out with him anymore. Well, a couple weeks went by, and after school, again, we were headed to play basketball. And it was at that point that he offered me drugs. First time I had ever been offered drugs. Thank God I said no. I don't know, you know, I just don't know what would have happened if I'd have said yes, but thank God I said no. And that night, I said, I've got to tell my mom. <laughs> and I did. And sure enough, she said, Andrew, you are not to be around him anymore. <laughs> I'm so grateful for my mom. And for her, when I was too young and too dumb to stay away from the wrong people and the wrong places, she made me do those things. And we got to realize, we don't know exactly how old Joseph is, but he's either in his teenage years or he is in his 20s. And this is what's happening to him. And he is able to keep his character and to get away from those bad people and those bad situations. In 1 Corinthians 
Uh, chapter 6, verse 18, it says, Flee from sexual immorality. I want to tell you something you know this morning. You only flee things you're fearful of. The last time I was fleeing, a dog was behind me. You don't flee if you're not fearful. So are we fleeing or are we flirting? With sexual immorality, with the wrong people, with the wrong places, whatever it is, I believe that the Holy Spirit is so incredible that he can speak one thing to my heart and he can speak something else to yours. And I believe that if there's something in your life that you're like, uh, I am kind of, if he is, if he's showing you something right now, I believe that's the Holy Spirit. And I just want to tell you as one of the pastors here on staff, get away from it, flee it, remove it. Because it is absolutely what is in your best interest to keep your character intact. So he removed himself from the situation. He ran from the seductress. And then three, and this is not something Joseph did, God removed Joseph from the scene. God removed Joseph from the scene. I believe God did this because of his character. God is merciful. And he loved Joseph so much. And he knew the plans he had for his life. He knew how he was going to use them. He knew what was ahead. And I, I don't want to tell you guys all the details because I want to leave some meat on this bone for Pastor Jeremy to be able to come back and preach next week. But God uses Joseph in an incredible way. And I believe one of the reasons that God shut this door in his life is out of his mercy and his love for Joseph. Now, I love open doors. I love when I get the job or I get the promotion or I get whatever. I love when doors open. But sometimes God can guide us and lead us and direct our lives through those closed doors. And it can be painful. I don't like closed doors. But I want to tell you here today, this was the best thing that could have ever happened to Joseph was this door closing. And I want to tell you here today, don't despise the closed doors in your life. Those areas where God has removed you from a situation. It was outside of your control. You couldn't change it. You couldn't do anything about it. And God closed a door. I believe that if he did that in your life, he is doing it out of his mercy and his character for you. Let's look at what happened in Joseph's life. Verse 19. Potiphar was furious when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph has treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into prison where the king's prisoners were held. And there he remained. But the Lord was with Joseph. I love this part. The Lord was with Joseph in prison and showed him his faithful love. God had closed that door for Joseph, but he wanted him to know that God had not left Joseph. When you think about his life here, so he's a slave. He has just gotten this sweet gig with Potiphar. This is like the best thing you could have hoped for. This is the best case scenario. 
And now this door is closing? Imagine how you would have felt. Imagine how Joseph felt right here. Again, again, I didn't do anything wrong. And it doesn't matter what I do right. My brothers sell me into slavery. Uh, Potiphar's wife lied on me. And here I am in prison. Another door closed. Sometimes in our life it feels like that. It just feels like, man, if it weren't for bad luck, I wouldn't have any luck at all. Has anybody ever felt like that? But God showed him his faithful love because God had not given up on Joseph. 